Are we are we calling you Tim? Are we calling you Dick? What are we calling you? Or guest dicks? Just call me Mister. Like, hey Mister. Hey Mister. Hey Mister. Yeah, just call me. Just say, hey Mister. What's your idea, Mister? But like you said last time, I do have quite like people recognise me if they know me. Yeah, yeah. People that know you recognise you. That's how it works. (laughs) (laughs) My voice, you know, they'll know it's me. Special guests, uh, Tim, say hello. Hello. And uh, Cameron. Hello. Hey, how you doing, Cam? Not bad. Not bad. You're not going right. to ask me how I am. No, because we know how you are. Okay. <laughs> we don't care about the UKIP voter. <laughs> <laughs> In previous weeks, we've talked a hell of a lot about Trump, quite a bit about the EU, and I don't want each and every week we're talking about the exact same topic. So we're going to go a little bit different. We're going to kind of ignore the top stories of the week this time. So we're going to talk right. about something that's been irking me for a few months now and it's uh, a phenomenon that's the only last couple of weeks <laughs> it's um the latest craze on university campuses and it's being a a stepford student and by that basically i mean stepford students the implication there is that obviously that they're a little bit mindless not really independent thinkers they're just kind of pre-programmed tom and that's how they conduct themselves where where did you hear about this well i mean been hearing about it in a lot of different places yeah mostly it's been going on for a while Hearing about it mostly in right-wing press. The left-wing like, press doesn't really want to talk about is it. Is it a UK thing? Is it a Europe thing? Is it's it a, a Western... I would say... Mm. It's a it's Western, a, it's a Western, Western thing. thing. So it's mostly at the moment seen in America and uh, the UK. America yeah. and the UK, and, uh, all right. To give you an idea of like what a Stepford student is, obviously it's a university student who's, I would say, more a political activist as opposed to just a student. No, They're kind of and, more and, concerned with political activism. No, anti-political activism. More. No, 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 no. It's definitely uh, political. Well, it's left-wing. It's progressivism, wait. really. But it's progressive, uh, progressivism wait, turned wait. up to 11 and taken to a stupid extreme. I think so, it's homogenization. <laughs> let, let, let's go back 11. to the actual your definition you were going to into. So basically, they're more political activists than student. So they're basically going around. They're not really spending time in lecture halls or libraries. They're more outside the lecture hall, the libraries, protesting the people who are and they inside are... the lecture halls and the libraries. And uh, they have a worldview. They break everything down into who is the oppressed and who is the oppressor. So any given subject, any given topic, they're coming from the angle of, okay, I'm going to work out who's the oppressed, who's the oppressor. I'm on the side of the oppressed. And that's a very simplistic way of looking at the world. So it's kind it's, of too simplistic. It's kind of looking at the cogs move and then or not realising the bigger picture is a clock moving. Yeah, and it's kind of like a dumbed-down version of Marxism. I guess, I, I guess so, yeah. And, um, it's, it it, it, it kind of came across to me uh, very much a misunderstanding, a, a lack of context of what the information is going in. And it's more... You mean what uh, they're learning about? Well, no, I mean, they're, they're lashing out. They're lashing out uh, for the sake of lashing out. Think about oh, these okay. students. They, they're hell-bent on what they think they're doing is fixing society. They think society's got all these problems. It's, there's way too much oppression in the world. Well, they're very young and optimistic. They're not really. They seem really pessimistic. They mm. don't seem to have a real but bright vision think, of the future. I think what is different they now... Seem tra- they seem trapped in the past more than anything else. Yeah, but, but I, think, I think what's different now compared to, say, when you guys were at university was... No, the, the, the fundamental difference is the what's internet. actually sparking it up. It's not even the internet. It, I think a lot of it boils down to uh, tuition fees. Uh, when I went to university, um, I was paying what I don't know a grand a year, let's say. So at the end of it, I was coming out three thousand, maybe four thousand pounds. That's how much I had to pay. Yeah? yeah, roughly, let's say. Yeah, when I went back to do my postgrads, a little bit more money, but you know, still manageable. Not the nine k a year though. But no. now, yeah, I think it was like three grand. Right, but now it's nine thousand pounds a year. For every single course, for every single year, for every single course, it's nine thousand pounds a year. And as soon as you start charging people that much money, they become consumers. And if there's consumers, then they start to get into the mentality that they are owed something, or they are expecting a certain level of service. Uh, And as soon as you start to expect this certain level of service, 
you expect your lecturers to bend over backwards for you, to push you through, and to affect you, feed you into a but degree. Do you though? I've never like I've never gone to a restaurant and expected the waiter to bend over backwards and the chef to do exactly what I want just because I'm a paying customer. I expect I still, a high level of service. I'm sorry. So can you? It depends on how much I'm me. spending. And if but I'm spending nine thousand pounds on a fucking meal, I expect very yeah. fucking good service. But that's quite a British thing as well, isn't it? They could serve you like a pile of shit, and you'd be like, "Oh yeah, that's very nice." But yeah, but you can say that. But it's also a very American thing. If you go to America and you're oh, getting yeah. served, they will fucking do everything oh, yeah, yeah. in their power to I mean, make this... sure that you get the best service possible. Yeah. Not because they want you to have a good time, because yeah. they want a tip. Yeah, you mentioned yeah. America, it's a tip culture. and this is where my big concern of academia at the moment is they're just taking ideas from whatever America is doing, we just import it over here. Mm. So America's got this obsession with university students should be able to be more political activists than just being students who are there to learn. It's a culture. It's the emergence of a new culture. Like what, what I was saying earlier is like what's different between now and the past is that you've got the internet. So in the past where you'd have like disparate groups of students who might sh- share certain political views they'd never meet they'd never cross paths but now you've got people communicating 24 7 all around the world and i think it's it's created this sort of um atmosphere it's created a sort of culture um which has a lot of positive things of inclusivity and non-discrimination but on the same side it's also created this environment that the students feel like they have to act out this role well i mean imagine imagine your world view you had one lens that you viewed the whole world through Mm. and that lens is simply oppressed versus oppressor yeah but the thing about 21st century there really isn't that in the western world at the very least there's not a hell of a lot of oppression going on yeah, it's, black. it's not completely over it's not like there's no oppression it no, but it's so minuscule everything is days. like third or fourth generation from the original problem it was uh, it's very subtle there's different like, sorts of oppression now like obviously a really obvious one we could say is like race mm. where you know Certain races don't get as Who much will of win? Deal. But everyone, you could all say we're all being oppressed by our um, the way the, the economy works. You're starting Ev- to everyone, sound like everyone's, a Stepford student. Yeah, no, but what I'm saying is like everyone's like a debt slave now. And but everyone's going to feel... That's a form like of oppression they, in itself. Well, yeah, but, everyone's going to feel that they're hard like done that. by in some way. But at the same mm-hmm. time, you can't expect the world to apologise for every no. insignificant about, slights that's been put against we're you. We're talking about middle class, millennial, university students. Yeah. These are some of the most privileged human beings who have ever walked yeah. the earth and We're they're talking- acting they go around screaming all i have to lose is my chains what chains yeah exactly you haven't got any <laughs> chains on you it's very first mr t type chains <laughs> i pity the fool no what it is is it's abuse and it's warping of like old concepts i mean if you look at this safe space mentality if you mm. look at the roots its origins I mean, it stems from the is, 1970s you, in America to start off with. What is a safe space to you? Then? Uh, to me, a safe space mean? is a place that I feel comfortable and that I don't feel threatened, right? But, Somewhere but that I feel in control. Well, originally, a safe space was mostly designed for women at a time in the 60s and 70s where literally there are a lot of avenues and spaces, lecture halls and things like that, where women were heavily discouraged from ever speaking, mm. from ever giving their point of view across. They would be told literally just to shut up. So they created safe spaces just so they could have a voice. The problem is these kids today, these university students, they already have a voice. There's no one at university telling them to shut up. But They're the ones telling people to shut yeah. up. Oh no, I get it, I get it. It's abuse of a concept. Because um, I heard but something slightly what you, different. Uh, what you origins. said though... Um, um, earlier, mm. where you said safe spaces is about a comfortable space. Yeah, where I, I don't, I hate that idea. I think that's, that's where safe spaces went wrong. It evolved from it's a space where you can actually have a voice to it's a space where I feel entirely comfortable. Well, no, because uh, we're looking at two different origins here. You're saying it was a place that was designed for women so that they weren't originally oppressed. Originally, originally yeah. Because what and I blacks heard as well. Okay, what I heard for uh, the origins in America would have been the 1970s when they were trying to have the military enroll people, especially young people, into things oh, the like draft. the Vietnam War, the draft, exactly. Yeah. And they were going up to universities and they were going on to campuses and they were basically powering people into signing up. And in America, I'm sorry, in the UK, the origins of safe spaces or the first instances that I know of, of safe spaces being introduced in universities, especially, were in like 1975 when you had far right like uh, neo-Nazi mentalities uh, coming in, talking to people, trying to talk people into joining, trying to spread their hate agenda. And these people were stopped and not allowed for coming in uh, to speak because it was seen as giving them the opportunity to talk suddenly gave credence to their argument. 
So if they refuse to allow them in, then they won't hurt. Because Cameron, you're in the education world, but I mean, how often have you ever heard of like National Front, BNP, Britain First, kind of actually getting into schooling, having any sort of penetration into the education system at all? To me, it's uh, all well, I yeah, ever hear yeah. is it's massively left wing. There's no nationalism it is whatsoever. Left-wing. The only instances that I see of right wing mentality coming into schools is you. On the whole, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, without naming names, I don't want to be associated with where I work, but. <laughs> No, it's uh, mostly if there's going to be enemy right wing mentalities, it's going to be from individuals. It's seemingly very one sided. It's seemingly you can be an an Islamic extremist and no one cares. But if you visit a UKIP website, Mm. the police get called in. But But to get back to the Stepford students, Mm. uh, the reason I think it's such a fatal error, changing the idea of a safe space from somewhere where you can actually have a voice where previously you didn't to somewhere where I can feel completely comfortable. Because some of these safe spaces, it's it works in an abstract way, but there, there are also literal safe space rooms. Mm. And in these safe space rooms, increasingly now, they have things like crayons, colouring books, uh, kids' cartoons no, from that, like the 80s. Honestly, an honestly to me, man, this sounds surreal. And it they, sounds even have, like... they even have petting zoos, like a dog, yeah. like a puppy. You know what this sounds like This sounds like the kind of place that you allowed a child who has got a developmental disorder, maybe yeah. the autistic spectrum or Asperger's, yeah. or whatever the fuck <laughs> it's going to be, it's like, oh, you're having a bad time, you can't control your emotions. Right, you go out into the room and you go and calm yourself down and you yeah. bring yourself back well, into reality. You're taking the autistic kid away because he's a fucking danger to everyone else you don't want him around the other kids I mean no, not no, so much no, I know what you mean but no, it's more you're, the you're, sense you're that they cannot handle zero. they cannot handle societal norms but mm. the thing is if you've got university students these these students some of them may have developmental disorders but <laughs> on the whole these are highly functioning or supposedly highly functioning <laughs> individuals who should be able to handle the pressures of real life and I'm really worried that all this is doing is serving to baby infantilize and coddle yeah. and inf- I don't even know if that's a word but yeah, I use it, it I can't pronounce word. it yeah, though, it's a right. word, yeah. but all it's really serving to do is create a generation of people that cannot handle reality and it is saying it's okay is it okay that you can't handle the pressures of real life has anyone ever thought that maybe this is an art piece that got out of control it came from that kind of liberal arts background yeah yeah i don't think it's performance art in any way or anything like that though (laughs) i think it's really give me my crayons wow 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 i think cameron hit the nail on the head there well hyman hyman used the word infantilization turning adults one word right turning adults into kids and that's exactly what it is i'm gonna be here comes tim i'm gonna be mildly controversial for 10 seconds Mr. Mister, <laughs> like I, like I said, like I said, I didn't, I didn't go to university. Activate dickhead, and mode. I haven't got a chip on my shoulder about it. But really, I don't. Really, this safe space is it's like a natural progression because all university is really is just people putting off adulthood for another four years Ooh. it wasn't like that 30 40 years ago yes it was it is it is though you can't no, really 30, say real life starts until you, you you leave education no 30 40 years ago university was you 30 40 years ago you didn't have courses in like fucking street dance yeah <laughs> like you do now you, yeah but that's because it was the top 10 to 15 percent of the best minds in britain went to university and now it's like now 50%. half the country yeah 50 yeah. percent of the country well, yeah goes. i mean the, the the point of going to university during in the uh, labour years, so it was kind of like, ah, look at all these people. They're not earned, they're not on benefits yeah, anymore. Yeah, but going to university during those times essentially guaranteed you a much better start in life. And I agree with mm. him in the sense that university does kind of detach you from reality. And what I'm really worried about now is that these students, again, are having what university is supposed to be. This is you taking control of your life. This is you taking control of your education. And now they come to this expectation of, no, I want to be babied. I want to have fucking be fed from the tea of education one more time. They're, and um, I don't want to have to take my life into my own hands. They're petulant children. It's yeah. really regressive. And it's I'll, regressive. We'll give you a little example this is uh, Yale University and this all of this came about because it was around Halloween time and a group of progressive kids the Stepford students they decided that a lot of Halloween costumes were highly problematic as in they believe they believe Halloween costumes (laughs) are racist good they believe they're sexist good they believe they're homophobic good and they believe they catch fire too easily I'll give them the last one (laughs) Halloween's a festival of evil Hold on, hold it's on. Not, it's not though. It is. When you say catch fire, that's is that Prince also Harry got to do thought. with the whole uh, homophobic thing? As in, like, oh, that's flaming. Uh, uh, but a bucky, yeah, I mean, well, 
But this is uh, this is university student at Yale University, and she's yelling at the dean of the university. She's literally Jesus. screaming in his face. It's kind of unbelievable. We're going to have a little listen now. Exception is because other people have rights too, not just walk, walk, walk away. Walk away. Walk away. Walk away. Walk away. Walk away. Walk for all so that, that's the woman speaking to the dean. You don't really need to. Not done that. By sending out that email, that goes against your position as master. Do you understand that? Then no, I stop. don't agree with that. Then, then why the fuck did you accept the position? Because what I the fuck hired you? I have a different vision. You should step down. If that is what you think about being a master, you should... She asked her, who the fuck hired you? The answer turns out, she did. She's on a board of students. The way uh, Yale University works is that the students actually get participation in hiring of the dean. That's just stupid. So there's there's like a short list of candidates and the students vote on who they want. Mm. And she was part of the student board that elected that dean. So when she asked who the fuck hired you, the answer is she did. Mm. But that's beside the point for a start. That's the crux of her argument. University is not about creating an intellectual space. It's about creating a home. Okay, well, that's ridiculous for a start. A, when she leaves university and supposedly gets a job, but by the sounds of it, she's going to be pampered and looked after yeah. by mummy and daddy for a couple more oh, years. No, yeah. she'll she'll never be to when a, she a... goes into work, if she dare to speak to someone like that, then she's going to get fired. Well, she should You're get wrong. fired. Do you know why? Because people like this, when they leave university, they stay in university as long as they possibly can. They become things like... Academics. Uh, no, not even. They become things like cultural diversity officer. They get these oh, fake bullshit jobs. They join the system within the yeah, system. They get these fake bullshit jobs where the student union pays their salary. But when she does eventually leave university, she's going to go into HR. Not if that video gets <laughs> sent around. Well, well look, you actually, if you, you want to relate really it to face. the UK, this actually relates quite a lot to the UK with our, our problem with this safe space, safe space bullshit or the zero tolerance platform thing whereby speakers are not allowed to come in and talk because it might offend one small fucking community or whatever it's going to be. So in Oxford at the moment, uh, there's a campaign called uh, Roads Must Fall. Yeah. It yeah. failed. Oh, what's failed. Good. I'm glad it fucking failed. Now, Cecil it? Rhodes, who was basically one of the students who, okay. who basically he There's used to... There's a statue of yeah. Cecil Rhodes. You know Cecil Sorry. Rhodes went to South Africa and created Rhodesia. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then, of course, the... Um, it's now known as Zimbabwe, and we all know how that yeah. turned out. But all right, Mugabe kind of fucked He's a clone in this, basically. Yeah. He's a clone. And he was racist, but then again... Everyone he lived, was racist. It's, it's a man exactly. of the time. He lived at yeah? a time when everyone was racist. Context. But he's being judged. Yeah, he's being judged for his actions of the past by today's standards. You can't yeah? do and that. It's not, you can't do that. It's well, a stupid, it's a very naive thing to do, but it's being done by a, a South African student. There's a statue, Oxford. right? There's a, there's a statue at the college, at Oxford. and he wants to taken down. And his argument is it should be taken down because it's seen as a symbol of oppression for him as a student, and it makes him uncomfortable. And it makes him uncomfortable. What a pussy! So the <laughs> exactly. so the argument is going to be it's a piece of rock <laughs> shaped <laughs> like a person. Oh well, yeah, exactly. It, I think it's hell. I think for more is what it symbolizes up, as such. Man. But do, no, the do you know what it symbolizes? It what? symbolizes that Cecil Rhodes paid a lot of his money when he died to yeah. create the college that that kid actually goes to now. Yeah. So if it wasn't for Cecil Rhodes, he wouldn't be at Oxford. Yeah. So they wanted to take down the statue as such. So so it must um, fall. Fuck off. Yeah. See, th- I, I feel that there's a there's this kind of thought process is very much uh, what used to go before is going like I don't agree with anything about you, but. I will fight to the death to support your right to your your sorry. yeah your right yeah, to say. The, um, Whereas now nowadays yeah sorry yeah I mean it's very uh, To Kill a Mockingbird type feel. The to famous it. phrasing it's usually misattributed to Voltaire, but um, it's actually his nurse that said this. Ah, but, I went um, straight to Voltaire, Kill a Mockingbird on that. <laughs> when Voltaire was dying, his nurse came out and said one of his final sayings was, "I do not agree with what you say, but I will fight to the death for your right to say it." 
and that's essentially the kind of principle behind free speech mm-hmm. and that to me is this is the darker side of mm. safe spaces yeah the darker side of safe spaces is that it threatens liberal enlightenment values and i am a liberal no, so I, I give a shit it. about that mm. tim you're coming in on this i just want to say just just going back to that that video clip we watched that um, cunt the other interesting <laughs> thing is the the method in which people argue now like you say they don't they don't have the the, the debate so much it's more about screaming loudly like you only have to listen to the the vitriol and the venom in that woman's voice mm. on that video what she's right? genuinely I don't like what you're doing to me and I want you to she's, know she's talk- and I don't care what your opinion is but what is. right does she have to talk to the dean I know she's, ta- she's talking to him like he's you know he's 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 done her family in with baseball bats she's talking to him all like he's doing he was the clown like- that she invited to her kid's birthday party and all the kids are crying now she's but it's like, the vitriol Fuck are you doing? It's, it's the vitriol. It's the anger. It's it's like it's it's acceptable for them. They they feel like they're so right. Mm. They don't even need to have the debate. Mm. I figured mm. it out. I figured out what it is. Right, progressives have um. They use progressive. It, it makes me sad because I used to identify as a progressive and progressives. I used to like the fact that we had the arguments on our side. And the right wing and the conservatives, they didn't have any arguments. But now progressives have kind of been lulled into a false sense of security where the conservatives, the Tories, they've gone away. They've been silenced. Mm. And so now they've lost the ability to argue, to make rational, reasonable arguments. But what instead of that, what they've found is an almost bulletproof vehicle for pushing through their agenda. And it's called victimhood. Oh. Yeah. Remember they're, they're, their they're worldview. Their worldview is oppressed versus oppressors, i.e. perpetrators versus victims. Mm-hmm. Now, a progressive will never view themselves as anything other than the oppressed or the victim. The they'll never upon. view Yeah, they'll never view themselves as anything other than that. And that what it means is is they their sense of ethics or their their true north. Yeah. It comes from this place of well, I'm the oppressed. And I'm against the oppressors. And I am morally righteous because I'm against the oppressors. So anything I do is morally justifiable. Mm. And anything the oppressors do is not justifiable. And it's basically, you can sum it up as in, it's okay when I do it. That's why she thinks she can talk to the dean like that. Because she's oppressed. Yeah. yeah, and he's the oppressor. Mm. It, it, it is, it's, it's, it, oh, sorry, go on, Cam. It, I just think it's a really worrying state of affairs in terms of what it means for education as a whole because if you are going to go into education then (laughs) or if you're going to go to continue into further education then what it should really be about is that education should be about trying to confront ideas that you do not like yourself Mm -hmm. and going in there with an open mindset to either have your opinion changed or to have an argument strong enough to be able to change the opinion of someone else maybe not changed and shouting at them maybe not changed but challenged challenged that's the thing better way of phrasing it well university used to be like all the money that they're paying in their grant, uh, yeah, not yeah, their yeah. grants, their fees, that goes towards university research. It yes. does not go towards it's your lecturer will not. Itself. Your lecturer won't spoon feed you information. University no. is about self learning. You take control no. of your life as you yeah. will yeah. do when no, you have they, to leave they, education. But, but now they think it's they're different. doing that. Yeah, exactly. And they don't. Well, look, 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 look. look. Um, they think if I bully, if I emotionally blackmail people, I get what I want. Here's a good quote for you to sum up this whole kind of safe space bullshit that I'm hearing today, and I'm not entirely sure who said it but it came from like a Guardian article I read wow. um, it goes I know I read newspapers from, no from the Guardian I like the Guardian because normally the only only press talking about this is the right wing press the left well the Guardian's commenting more on the UK's effect on it Okay, but nonetheless they're saying in today's marketed and consumer driven higher education sector many students have come to expect freedom from speech they argue the university campus should be a safe space free from emotional harm or potential offence which is absolute bullshit and yeah. the new dean of education I think it's Louise Richardson has basically fought back against this saying that education is not meant to be comfortable education should be about confronting ideas you find really objectionable figuring out why it is you find them objectionable fashioning a reasonable argument against them confronting the person you disagree with and trying to change their minds but also being open to them changing your mind that's not a comfortable experience but it's an educational one 
I don't think that's what education should be about. She said education should be about, you know, confronting ideas and come. No, it should just be about learning a subject. No, no, yeah, why does everyone have to be <laughs> fucking politically? Well, let's ask. What is it they're trying to do? Fuck to them. me, to me, it seems like they're trying to create a world for themselves where they never have to be confronted by anything they disagree with, anything they don't like. It's like you know when you childproof a house when you're getting a new baby. Yeah. When you're when you're buying a new baby yeah. and you and you childproof. Buying yeah. a new baby. Yeah. Uh, oh, I know I kind of skipped okay. over that. What statement. website? You is that? Biology, did you? Okay. That's it. That is going to be. That's um. I'm leaving a little thread there for a future episode where we talk about these. Dolls can we call this episode made. buying a new baby? Oh, Uncle yes, Bad Touch. We can, and it's about these extremely lifelike baby dolls. But anyway, I'm getting off topic here. I think their this is end, a topic I want to hear more about. <laughs> their end game is to create a world that is completely sanitized of anything. Homogenous. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. Clones. It's like a world that, that's that sanitized. There's no culture. We should change the subject. This... I'm getting really wound up about no, no. this. <laughs> oh, we're going to get to the Daily Mail. You're going to get really wound up then. topic now especially online uh the daily mail and just how much influence the daily mail has on the british public it's kind of a it's a bit of a marmite thing some people love the daily mail some people hate the daily mail does, some people does, in australia call it vegemite does any does anything really have an influence on the british public i don't think people are that well the daily mail yeah. the daily mail has a circulation of i think uh, just a little bit under two million uh, the paper, the print edition gets a readership of about four million. Combine that with the website, yeah, which the is the number one, isn't it? The killer. You combine it with the website. Well, the Sun's a tabloid, whereas the Daily Mail's an actual newspaper. Well, it's still considered a newspaper. Uh, I know, but yeah, I, in tabloid I, world, the Sun is number one, hands down. But in the newspaper world, the Daily Mail is number one. See, if, if and when you combine the website, over twenty million people read the Daily Mail in Britain. But if you had to describe the type of newspaper it was, it's not a tabloid, but it's, also not, but it's also not a broadsheet. It's more akin to, like, a local newspaper. It's a simplified fucking yeah, it's a lo- it's newspaper. A, yeah, it's a local paper, which is all masses. about the emotional opinion as opposed to the actual information. Yes. I think it, it, it tries to stand as a counterpoint to what it sees as a liberal, progressive media. They go, okay, look, there's liberal and progressive media outlets, and we're going to be the counterpoint to that. I see it going against journalism as a whole, whereby a journalist is supposed to be impartial and reporting the news for the news sake. And as soon as a newspaper starts to take a political side, then I think it's defeated its own purpose. And the Daily Mail has got a very right wing with conservative respect, agenda. With respect, I think that's nonsense. How so? The history of newspapers are, is that they take a certain stance. But this this whole well, um, r- rule of thumb rule of thumb is editors are right wing reporters are left wing and in that oh. middle ground uh, becomes uh, neutrality yeah but we, the papers we, which themselves is overgeneralization but it's seen as a uh, the papers themselves they they adopt a political stance and that's okay if they're actually upfront about it but there's this recent phenomena that's called fair and balanced or impartial news okay and now do you know right. the um you know the independent newspaper called the independent Yes. Uh, they started off in the 80s, and that was their big idea. We're going to be the newspaper that is entirely fair and balanced, completely impartial, and it's now going out of print. It's website only. And what they found very quickly is a lot of British people will say they want fair and balanced news, but they don't mean it. When they say, I want fair and balanced news, what they mean is, is I want news that... Validates their opinion. Yeah, validates their opinion, conforms to their preconceived notions. And that's totally fine if you're upfront about it. Everyone knows the Daily Mail is a right-wing, nationalism-friendly... But that's the thing. I don't think everyone knows that. Well, you'd have to be an idiot who lived under a rock not to know that. (laughs) I think people read things because they contain things that interest them, yeah? And I think, like, if you compare, like say a daily mail reader they might not really care about 
a story that's about you know huskies in siberia yeah or like the the educational infrastructure of eastern africa whereas like a guardian reader would be like oh that's that's fucking great i'd love to read about that yeah it's different they don't want to hear about it and like the daily mail might read might write a story about some hedge disease that's killing hedges and people (laughs) want to read about that quick quick question tim as the oh well, who reads the Daily Mail? Well, here? I was going to say, as as as, as, as a reader of the Daily Mail, yeah. as a maybe not a, a follower of its politics or anything like that, but yeah. as a reader, yeah, what is it that appeals to you? What 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 do you go straight towards? I mean, like some people go straight towards oh. the football. Some <laughs> people go for me, straight towards the letter pages. For me, it's actually um, Jonathan Kainer's horoscope. Oh, <laughs> Sorry, that's destroyed your whole thing. But that's the reason I read no, it. No, I love that. I love that. that so you start true? there. Yeah. You start there. May as well right. find out what's gonna, what's gonna, what, what cosmic forces are going to be influence me and other people that day. I think that's that's the most important so, news. Just as a quick, to, to be honest, um, I I I have. Um, but you're not being serious with the horoscope thing, are you? No, he is. I'm, he's massively serious about it. So. I'm, I'm he's a very spiritual. You know, the man. Daily Mail costs money, right? You could get a horoscope for free off Google. I do all that yeah, as well. But, it's the- but no, let me see this year. Like I say, um, during the day, um, I'm not going to say what work I do because I don't want to. But but during the day, I do have extended periods of time. I'm doing nothing. Where I'm doing. I'm waiting. Okay. Yeah, I'm not doing nothing. I'm waiting. Do you know what people are thinking? Pensively waiting. He drives for a living. He's an Uber driver. No, I was <laughs> going to say how much do Ren boys get these days? But <laughs> for waiting, not as much as I used to. Not as much as I used to. Sadly, he's but, a man um, that's hired to go around and measure the I'll height you, of school I'll you, children. I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you why. I, I, I buy it because, like I said, I've got a, there's ex- extended periods of the day where I'm literally just sitting there waiting and. Because it is dirt cheap, the Daily Mail, but 60, the sun is cheaper. I buy the sun as well. Oh, well, that, okay. Yeah, I buy the For sun. less than a pound, he's got two... Two, two, yeah. two papers. And the thing about the mail... It, and a pair of tits. Yeah, the, the sun doesn't have tits anymore, sadly. But you can, you can finish the sun in, like, under half an hour, mm, page yeah. to page. But the Daily Mail, it's just got more words in, so it just takes mm-hmm. up more time. So when you read The Guardian, then? Because The Guardian actually sends me into paroxysms of rage. Really? Because it's only like there's only uh, socialist agenda, and like the Guardian would actually be out of circulation if the if the BBC didn't buy like a hundred copies. I think that might be a Daily <laughs> Mail <day>. story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but apparently, it's only apparently, the BBC no, no, buying the Guardian. Apparently, apparently, the BBC they get like eight hundred thousand. Yeah, it's the story. Yeah. A day or something. And then <laughs> supposedly no the one. Offices. Yeah, and supposedly no one ever reads it. Um, they all they all read um, yeah. the most read paper by BBC employees is the Daily Mail. So even though the BBC is supplying the Guardian, the mail, most employees uh, are buying the Daily Mail. I can't honestly think of a sort of campaign they've had that's been the Daily Mail. Yeah, that's been um, that's been particularly negative. Like one one thing that I did think oh, they there did was really the, well. Um, uh, what's her name? Jane Moore. She I think she She's writes for the for Sun the, now. Yeah, but she used to do Daily Mail. And who's the gay guy from uh, Westlife? Alan Carr. The gay guy from Westlife who died. The small one. Yeah, the small gay guy. No, one. that was Boyzone. Boyzone. Stephen You're Gately. Right, Boyzone. Stephen Gately. God yeah. rest his soul. She did like a really uh, character. She did like a character assassination of him yeah. and insinuated that uh, homosexuality was a lifestyle choice. Blah blah blah. <laughs> yeah, and that what was in like 2013, 2011. Was it the age? Was it something like that? I think it might have been related to. No, he had an overdose. Gayness. No, he just did AIDS or bad AIDS. He, 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 I think he just, he just drunk. He just, I think he drunk a bit too much, what's, sniffed what's a bit too AIDS? much. And he, I think he choked on his vomit or something. You know. Yeah. But um, he the, choked on vomit. Of but course. The, the Daily Mail. They did actually do a really good story, which I didn't see the same sort of. They, they, they were really chasing the whole paedophile scandal. In Parliament, which I didn't Ooh, see from, from um, other papers. I remember, as well. I remember yeah, they're Rebecca- the ones that released the. Uh, no, that was Rebecca Brooks. No, 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 no. The Daily Mail. Um, one of the things that they're supposedly celebrated or lauded over is they released the names of the killers of. Um, Osama. Baby, no, baby, oh, baby yeah. no, the child killer. The, um, yeah, the, oh, baby Pete. No, not baby fucking. What was it? Oh, oh, the the two young boys Double that took that yes. kid to the train track. Yeah, 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 oh, the yeah, Bulgers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the Bulger killers, the yeah. murderers. Yeah, they released the names. The Bulger psychopaths. Yes, yeah, but why is that good? Uh, because the public well, felt that they had the right to know. Yeah, I'm but not they saying don't. it's good. I'm saying it, it was celebrated. They had True. the right to know that they had like new identities made for them and homes bought for them. And so, I mean, do you think the main question here, the reason why I bring up the Daily Mail is yeah. it's become de jour to ask, does the Daily Mail have too much influence? No, I don't think it's got any influence. 
I think it does. It was, uh, there was a group called, uh, what were they called? They were called like something like Panel Force or something like that. And they're basically a, a research group, a statistics and research group. And they tried to figure out who had the most influence over the last general election in May 2015. And what they found is in terms of print newspapers, the Daily Mail was uh, with a figure of 30% the most influential newspaper, followed by The Guardian on 21% and Rupert Murdoch's uh, The Times on 20%. So significantly more influential. What about The Sun, though? Because didn't Gordon Brown... Yeah, but The Sun's a tabloid. It's not a newspaper. But what they found, the same research group, the most influential media group, hands down, is the BBC. So the Daily Mail is nowhere near as influential as the BBC But you've is. got a choice whether to buy the Daily Mail or not. You haven't got a choice to buy the BBC. You don't have to watch the BBC if you don't you've want it. you got to fucking pay for it, though, don't you? <laughs> yeah, no, if you're, th- no, if you're I think not. That's right. I like Channel 5 news the best. To oh, be fuck Me off. too. They're presenting <laughs> like, the best I think it's looking. really informative. And I like the way that oh they approach God, news you, topics to make it easy for me to understand. Do you watch Mark Wright? Bite size. I love, I like the right stuff. <laughs> <laughs> awful, awful programme. And he revealed, he ruined John Leslie, single-handedly. Well, I mean, John Leslie raping Ulrika Johnson might have ruined him. Kind of, well, kind of ruined himself <laughs> a little bit there, yeah. Innocent until, well, at the very least, not guilty until Innocent proven until guilty. proven rapey. <laughs> Because we were we were talking about the just, influence, yeah. whether it's undue, whether it's too much, or whether they have no, any influence see, at all. Tim you, is saying it's no, not. But you that also have a problem uh, concept of like you have tons of newspapers closing down. So the less newspapers you have, the less actual diversity of opinion mm. you have. Well, that's because it's everyone thinks it's moving to online. That's not true. No, it's actually moving to broadcast. It's TV that is the most yeah. influential. T- TV, TV, or um, webcast based. Concepts. Online. No, it's not online. That's what I'm saying. Podcasts. The, the general narrative is that it's online. Everything's moving to online. That's bullshit. TV is ruling the day more than at any other time in history. It's, it's taken away from radio's audience. The internet isn't taking anybody's audience as thus far. Mm. Well, I mean, anyone uh, over the age of 20. It's only really teenagers that all of their content comes from online. Uh, people our age, early 30s, mm. it's still mostly TV. So I'm right, in other words. <laughs> It doesn't influence anybody. You're always right, Tim. Yeah. You kept him. Always right. Am I right about voting you keep as you... well? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think the Daily Mail is too xenophobic? I guess I'm stupid here. Define xenophobic. As uh, an anti-foreigner. Anti-foreigner. <laughs> the Daily Mail flip-flops. It goes for whatever the popular vote is on something. If the popular vote goes for they like foreigners, then it'll turn into foreigners are okay for this type of thing. Do you guys feel like the Daily Mail demonstrates a difference between what's called Middle England and let's say London sensibilities, London outlook. Yes, possibly. And I think that's that's the same as like you get in the America, isn't it? Where you've got the, the West regional. Coast, the East Coast and this huge swathe in the middle. Yeah, regional differences. Yeah. I do kind of feel like London is almost not a country because it's so tiny. It it's a culture on its... It's like a principality that has nothing to do with the rest of the country. Apart from funding the rest of the country. Yeah, and it's governing it. Yeah, yeah, but it, all the focus is on London. That's we, a little we, bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. If you put all of the money in London... We pay them. for everything. We pay for everyone <laughs> up north. Tim wants to get a pneumatic... He wants to get a giant pneumatic drill, it's go just, around the M25, yeah. and just let North England drift off. <laughs> yeah, and South London, I'll be... You watch me, I'll be, like, blowing those bridges up on the Thames as well. Those <laughs> South Londoners could fuck off, too. Do you think the Daily Mail shows it denotes a difference between middle class and working class views? No, because I'd, I'd actually say working class views and middle class views, or the traditional old middle class, they, they were more right wing, weren't they? Oh. I, I would say that may, maybe, maybe at one point in history, going back, you know, 10, 15 years, you could look at the Daily Mail as almost an aspirational paper for the working class. Yeah, they'd read it and they'd read about like country houses and gardens and you know perfumo affairs yeah the, the obsession with house prices exactly so well, i'm obsessed everyone's obsessed with i don't think prices. it generally denotes a difference between middle class and working class i don't even, i don't i don't buy into their, that whole um, classing anymore anyway. but if you look at their readership figures i think it's like two and a half million two and a half million are middle class what's middle class that doesn't mean anything what you earn 20 grand a year oh, you're middle on, class. you can't you can't even pretend to be a ukip voter and say you don't know what middle class means i honestly don't anymore i honestly <laughs> don't I, I i think the middle class is rapidly 
magically disappearing. But the point is, whatever whatever the establishment considers middle class, two and a half million of them read the print version of Daily Mail. One and a half million are working class. I wish I was middle class. You are middle class. You're le- at the very least lower middle class. Oh, thanks. At the very, very <laughs> least. <laughs> Would you say the Daily Mail represents Me. nominally British values? I'd say it, it represents traditional British values, yeah. Like oh, cottage elab- pie and... Yeah. Elaborate yeah. on... Hovis. That's roofs. <laughs> I'd, say, I'd say traditional British values are basically harkening back to us being like a sort of island Hating nation. the French. Yeah, a sense of separation. A Guardian reader would call that Little Englander syndrome. Yeah. Do you... Do you think, are you a little Englander? You want England to be um, an isolated island? He's taller than Napoleon. No, what, what I think about is, I, and to me it's like a lot, it's, it reminds me of a lot of the arguments that the people who want us to stay in Europe have, where they do say that Britain will become irrelevant, we're just this small island on the outskirts of Europe. No, no, no. I, I honestly think, you know, we're, we're one of the most dynamic, creative countries in the world. We're actually, Britain's actually the least racist country in the world as well. Traditionally, we're highly tolerant in, yeah. in comparison to every other country yeah. at the same time. I, I, no, I, I, you know, you go around Europe, in any European country, they're like openly racist in, in conversation. Yep. You never get that over here. And we, Openly we, homophobic, anti-Semitic, yeah. and like we, more than Britain and, is. And, in this, more, and we're actually the most open accepting society in, in the world, and we tie ourselves in knots... But, trying to be more open and more, but we can't be. But this is, I want to get to a point would, you alluded to, But I would also disagree with certain, to a certain extent. Like, a lot of Europe as well, it's city versus country. Like, mm. Paris is different to the rest of France. Yeah. Berlin is different to the rest of Germany. You go to every major capital, London is different to the rest of the country. Mm. Yeah, true. And I want to come, al- come back to something you alluded to earlier, where, you, where I asked the question, does it represent British values and what i'm getting at with that is do you think in terms of cause and effect right do we all agree the universe generally works on cause and effect as in x happens which causes y to happen no i think we've gone beyond that now we're not since we've recognized what it is we've always kind of gone to we've affected we prepare for an effect and then the cause will happen in a modern to me that's the reverse of how the universe works no but in in a modern modern politics it kind of goes to we're preparing for something to happen either it happened somewhere else and we're preparing for it so almost by preparing for we almost want it to happen problem reaction solution yeah Mm. but it's gonna that's preempting something the perspective is the wrong way around though it's saying the effect is the cause but it's not like because what you said earlier about how um it's giving the british public or at least a certain percentage of the british public what they want Mm. i think it um, validates them the general consensus these days is is the media feeds the public Mm. and i don't think that's true i think it's a push-pull relationship you you think they react to the uh the metrics that's coming in look the public sometimes you can there's hundreds of examples where uh the mainstream media, the establishment, the big corporations tried to push something on the mass public, and the mass public said, fuck off, we want nothing to Tom, do with this. I totally disagree with you on this. Fair enough. I, the masses, the, we as a group of people, all right, uh, My idiot. example, no, no, here's uh, my example, yeah. uh, Invisible Cola. <laughs> you know what's what, funny? I, I totally knew you were going to come with something like that. The 90s here. What, yeah, but it's an example of how a massive corporation tried to push something on the public, and the public went, what the, "What's this shit? No, I don't want this." I'll I, I give you an example, it's and an this example is just purely. You, su- uh, it's, it's an example of how you can try to push things on the public, but the public won't always buy it. You're trying to sell an idea with that. Where uh, you're, no, you're trying to sell a product, whereas great advertising tries to sell an idea. You look at any modern advertising now, it's almost, any fashionable advertising is almost, it's creating this concert of, yeah, whatever. You look at no. any advertising. It's massively ad- pandering. No, uh, no, it's no. all about you, my I. It's all about those pronouns, making everything really personable to you. But it's not. Sorry, it's a ma- facade. Ma- ma- maybe I should have been a bit more uh, clearer. 
any uh, print advertising. Say specifically fashion is very much uh, off the cuff kind of uh, like yeah whatever. I just happen to be like this. That pretentious. I don't yeah, care. Kind that, of no one. No one stands around when you're at a party or sta- anything like that. Just the kind of go like yeah to. whatever. I just You've never been to like a party this. in Chelsea or Marylebone. <laughs> No, and no matter how much people want to be like that, they're all apprehensive because they're all three-dimensional creatures, mm. but they're basing but their concept of what life going, is around going, a two-dimensional advert. So going back to my basic precept, can you, say you're a content provider, essentially we're content providers, right, yeah. doing this podcast, but I can't make people be interested in the content I'm providing. I can't no make them do it. How hard you try? No, no, yeah. no. I can't make real, them do it. No, but I disagree. I'd be sardonic about it. I disagree with you. Why do you have a Facebook page? Why do you have a Twitter page? Because you're going I'm trying. For, no, he's because promoting you're promoting it. Because you're yeah. going for coverage. Mm. All right. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. more people recognise something, yeah, and it's all then about, they will come to it. It's all about just pushing out a mass of content, so it looks like we're bigger than we really are and that we're doing more than what we really are but that, you know? that antipathies the rest of society that's all we are we're all inflated who we are but look at it this to way. have this um, concept of going like oh yeah i totally can uh, build this house for you when all i actually know how to do is build a foundation strongly we all came to the general consensus that stepford students are awful they're um, subhuman pieces of shit Right, but could we sell no, that I, no, idea? I don't, I don't does, think the fact, no. does the fact that we're saying that, does, does, does that mean anyone who listens to us is immediately brainwashed into, yes, oh yes, no, no, no. the Tom, Dick and Hyman show hates Stepford I'm, students, so I hate like, Stepford students. When you I, can't when make I'm people to, do that. When I'm listening to anyone and when I'm talking to anyone, I'm not demanding they change their mind. Because I know me, I'm never going to change my mind. But the more voices I... No. You shouldn't ever say that. No, but the more voices I hear, the more I might get swayed towards something. I'm never never going to be a binary person. But like like what what, what, what Hyman was saying is like, I always think um, birds of a feather flock together. Yeah? We're Mm. all friends because we've got similar interests and we like similar things. And you naturally gravitate towards people who have similar views as you. And that's the same thing like with the daily mail you know i don't read the guardian or the observer Mm. because i know i'm not going to enjoy the articles here's my final question on this i think the daily mail all it's doing is there's a space for it to exist and it's occupying that space Mm. there's a market for it essentially it's providing a product do you think newspapers because i'm i'm of the opinion that look newspapers can be political they can lean a certain way as much as they like as long as they're up front with their readership about it they don't they don't do the fox news thing where they pretend to be fair and balanced when really they're not i'm okay with the bbc not being impartial as long as it's up front about it do you think newspapers should be forced they should be mandated to be entirely neutral. No, because then that's getting into the whole fucking debate we had about, about universities and safe spaces where mm. certain newspapers were, were banned it would from, be an attempt, from shops and universities. It'd be an and attempt censorship. To, it would be an attempt to sanitise newspapers. It's censorship yeah, is it's what it is. It's an expression of um, freedom of expression. Yeah, totally. move into uh, movie talk now is it set up so what came out so, recently last week a movie trailer came out it was viewed 24 million times in the space of 48 hours i mean i was definitely one of those millions i would call it a rehashing it's a retreading of ghostbusters which is a much beloved 80s film starring bill murray dan Aykroyd. uh what's his name Ernie Hudson. Who was he gone? Harold Ramis. Raymond, Harold Ramis. Ramis. Ernie, Ernie Hudson. Hudson. I totally forgot Rick Ernie Moranis. Hudson. Sigourney Weaver. Rick Moranis. Loved Rick yeah. Moranis. And as I say, it's Hollywood rehashing old ideas. But this trailer came out last week. It's caused a lot of controversy. And the four of us are going to watch it now. Cameron's never seen it before. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be his first visceral, guttural reaction to it. Now, granted, people listening, you can't see this trailer, but you can hear it and... We'll, we'll provide a link in the description. And here we go. 30 years ago. God, we're not that old, are we? Older. Four scientists saved New York. I don't think Winston was a scientist. Didn't save us from 9-11. You're ruining it for me. But this summer... A new team 
Well, answer the call. It's a class for reparation. That's okay. She seems peaceful. My name is Erin Gilbert, doctor of particle physics. Ah! That's the sound of vomit. Stuff went everywhere, by the way, in every crack. Very hard to wash off. We have dedicated our whole lives to studying the paranormal. Now there's sightings all over the city. There are people out there that need our help. Already I'm hating the new music. You're a brilliant engineer. Aaron, no one's better at quantum physics than you. We can provide a real Join the club. You guys are really smart about this science stuff, but I know New York. And I can borrow a car from my uncle. If you can't tell, there's the voice of a black woman. The vehicle was going to be a hearse. It's a Cadillac! Let's go. Let's go. Oh, oh. Did you want to? Sorry. I'll let you. I'll let you. Next time. Best line in the movie. Someone is creating a device that amplifies paranormal activity. And we might be the only ones who can stop it. Holtzman, come on! The hat is too much, right? Is it the wig or the hat? (laughs) There's a bigger picture at hand here. These ghosts can possess the human form. So the ghost is taking her over. Oh, hell no, the devil is a liar! Get out of my friend! Ghost! Ow, that's gonna leave a mark! The power of pain compels you! Ow! Okay. Now, looking at your guys' faces... First things first. Okay. I want to know Cameron's thoughts. Oh, that's the first time Cameron's watched that trailer. Link in the description, by the way, if you want to watch it yourselves. It's like someone's taken my childhood and taken a big shit all over it. Oh, that um, is such a cliche response. Okay, they've done something horrible, like um, raping a unicorn. I would Which watch is probably th- the most horrible thing you can imagine. I would watch sense. that movie, The Raping of a Unicorn. Because it sounds Over. like it sounds like a movie, a documentary about uh, uh, like deforestation. <laughs> it, it just felt incredibly forced, like someone taking a very sharp dildo and shoving it up an unlubricated arsehole, which is what I'm imagining it would feel like to watch. See, I will say, I I hate that trailer. I hate it to to the nth degree. But I really want to hear the actual full-on remix tune of that. Oh, fuck off. That song I do want to hear it. I'd, I'd it's like a, you to it, leave my house now. It's a dub mix. I want to hear it. You cannot improve upon the original Ghostbusters theme. It is perfect. I'm tone deaf when it comes to music, so I want to hear it. But this trailer... This <laughs> I is, don't want to watch the movie. This trailer has caused a lot of controversy. Now, the more astute listeners amongst you would have noticed that you didn't hear a single male voice in that trailer. There wasn't a single male voice. All right. so what's your you I feel that my safe space has been violated <laughs> because there's a lack of male presence. See, well, there is I, Chris Hemworth in it. See, like I said, anything. my safe space has been violated for a lack of male presence. See, I, I, I've got a problem with the criticism, and I, I don't know, Tom, you, you, you've got more on the concept of the criticism about like it's an all-female cast, and it's a. I and think the trailer it only it really only portrays men as running away. But go on, because like I say, you def- you'll notice listening to this that you didn't hear a single male voice. Now, I'm not saying that's a problem, that's an issue. It's not. To me, I don't care. <laughs> it's just a bad trailer for what looks like a bad movie. But the controversy around this is that trailer came out last week. Like I said, it's had 24 million views, which is that shows you how beloved the Ghostbusters franchise is. A lot of people are excited for a new Ghostbusters movie. However, if you go onto YouTube, like I say, link will be in the uh, description. First thing you'll notice is the like to dislike ratio is probably the most heavily in favor of I fucking hate this video. There's, I think the last time I checked, there was about 350,000 dislikes mm. versus about 160,000 likes. And the comments are overwhelmingly negative. Oh, there. Sony Pictures are actually deleting hundreds of comments every single day wow. because it's such a negative reaction. But the reason why this has caused controversy is like there's nothing controversial about a bad film coming out and people reacting negatively to it however there's an added dynamic on this one in that the cast is i think say maybe 90 95 percent female and what that has led to 
is a lot of people are saying, oh, the only reason this trailer has had a negative backlash is because it's an all-female cast, as opposed to it's just a bad film. See, that's jumping to conclusions, in my opinion. I am, or the people who are saying that? No, I'm saying it's jumping to conclusions that people They're are pre- linking, linking the all-female cast to it'll be a bad movie. No, I'm I'm saying these people, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is people have watched this trailer with an open mind, knowing full well that, yes, it's four women who are the Ghostbusters as opposed mm. to four random dudes. But that's not why they've had a negative reaction to it. They've no, had a negative reaction to it because it's not, joke. it's just not a very good, it looks like a bad film. No, it's a and badly... It has, it has a hell of a hard job c- competing with the original. But, really, so, it's, it's, but it doesn't have to. All it has to do is give little nods to the original. To the original. It doesn't have to compete with it. No, but it, it does. It does have to compete with it because it's, it's almost... It's, not it's, like, called, it's, it's canon. Called, it's directly followed on 30 years later. Therefore, yeah, but it look is at, directly compared. Look at it this sense. Is the original Ghostbusters opening the same weekend that film is? No. Well, then they're not competing with each other, are they? I would be interested Wait. to actually see a trailer for the original Ghostbusters movie and I remember and then, I remember the original trailer quite well it would well. be an yeah. 80s trailer it would be a terrible trailer yeah. in a world it's, we'll find it see what happens but that's what I mean it's like, like you said, it might not said, give an accurate description of, well, of how Ghostbusters to, came out we don't really out, have to you know. do that but basically I, it's, yeah. it's the original Ghostbusters wasn't portrayed as a um, laugh out loud slap your thigh Gross comedy it was it was presented as a mid Gritty documentary it was presented as a mid brow horror middle, comedy it's scary in parts as a kid i was terrified at the it first was, yes yeah, it was library. depicted as a horror film that's got some comedic elements to it that's yeah, how like it, that, the trailer was that depicted. opening scene of the trailer with the librarian the who one. threw up all at the new one with the librarian yeah. who threw up all over the main character um mm-hmm. that's a which got everywhere well, yeah, it's plagiarised completely from the librarian scene yeah, from but the first thing, film, that's and it's done infinitely worse. Oh, but that librarian... But that, Tim's absolutely right in that the first one was in itself scary with yeah. black comedy rolled around it. This one's just... There's, there's no but tension, there's no worries. Studios know that the glossy. only way you bring in new people is by showing the exact same scenes from the previous movies. It's not the same as the library scene from the original, <laughs> because um, in the original... Do you remember it was actually a very... It was shot in a very traditional sense of how creepy films are shot. Well, the 1984 original. Tension. But even yes. the ghosts don't look creepy in this. Honestly, no, no ghosts... They look, they look like they're from Scooby-Doo. They're bright oh, they're blue. When I'm trying on. to teach... No, when I'm trying to teach like a narrative unit of fiction, I go for suspense writing. And if I'm going to look at a ghost story, then I go straight for that YouTube clip of the original Ghostbusters film with the librarian scene. Because yeah, the tension really built up over time is creepy mm. and it works fucking wonders and it ticks all the right boxes. True. That was just glossy and frankly horrible. There was no tension whatsoever. It was just... Would you say it was, it was too... cosmetic. It was too explicit. It was cosmetic. It was, it was too glossy. There was no... There was no Not like gritty. No, sorry, it, it didn't have any grit to it in the first place. It, 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 it lacked substance. No, um, it, I felt like it reminds me of this concept of like modern comedies now are this. On paper, they're not slapstick. We're not slapstick. We're better than slapstick. We've had 50, 60 years where we're not doing slapstick. Slapstick is Buster Keaton. You saying slapstick it's, uh... is something else. Uh, slapstick is early uh, Woody Allen work. We're not slapstick. And then what you actually watch is slapstick. But no, no, no. She it's literally a comical her. context. It, it reminded me of Big Mama's House. Um, watching that, it just looked like a trailer for that. Do you know what it reminded me of? Pixels. It, it looks to me like Adam Sandler had his hand involved in making this film. It's really lowbrow, whereas the original was, it wasn't highbrow, but it was middlebrow. I enjoyed Pixels. Mm. Oh, fuck off. And it also, the original had a lot more adult humour as well, whereas now the, the, the comedy seems very broad, lowest common denominator. No, talking of broad, like these characters are drawn so broadly. You can almost say like the original one, like the three original scientists... There was very little distinguishing them, other than the actors playing them. Mm. I would the disagree characters with you. were the same, I but the actors made it different. I disagree with you that it's broad. It's actually really acute. You're, you know the difference between being shown something visually mm. and the dialogue explicitly telling you something? There's a difference there, right? A distinction to be made. There's, there's also something in the trailer. If we just played it straight through, you could almost picture what's happening because everything is told to you in the dialogue. It's explicitly yeah, explained it leaves to nothing. you. Oh, who's better at 
engineering than you. Who's better at quantum physics than you are? There were no lines like that in the original. In the first film, it seemed very much like there were three straight guys, in essence, and then one funny guy. And in this one, well, no, not of the main characters. There were in this three one, wacky. they seem to be. It's in this one. It seems to be like the first four one. women trying yeah. to outcompete each other in terms of funny lines or funny jokes, and it's. <laughs> Didn't but, work. No, didn't but work. it's not so much the women there. Each character in the movie had to be an expert in one thing. You're a mm. you're a theoretical physicist. You're a kooky engineer. You're a every person fat lady. No, it's she knows New York subways. No, 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 no. I'm talking <laughs> Melissa McCarthy. Oh, the fat she's, woman. Right. Yeah, because they don't actually play her up as being a scientist. No, she may no. be a scientist in this. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, she's, she's hanging around with... I yeah, guarantee two there's other a scene. scientists. She's going to be the third scientist because she's overweight. She's portly. I guarantee you, there's going to be a scene where she struggles to get into a suit, and when they finally get her into it after a 20 minute montage, she's going to go. I need to pee, guys. That'd be a good bet to have, actually. Being it when I when I when I was watching the, the the trailer, one thing I was doing in my head, I was trying to think like, oh, of all of them naked. Yeah, <laughs> the blonde one's all right. Especially. The blonde one's all right, and the theoretical physicists I wouldn't kick out of bed. But no, the, what, what I was saying, I was looking at the trailer and I was trying to compare and contrast and say which character is which. You know, so which one's Peter Venkman? Uh, which one's yeah, Egon? Yeah, She's yeah. meant to be Egon, the blonde girl. The, yeah, the blonde one's like Egon. But Egon was, he was like no, his, no. He was like an autist, basically. Yeah. You had you had you really? had social. Yeah, you, 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 had, you, you, had, you had an autist. You had a big kid. You had the lecturous adult. Yeah, and then you had the everyman who was Winston who came yeah. in at the end. Winston was, he was the grounding. He was the audience. He was the only sane one out of all He's of the people. one who you relate to, like, isn't this yeah. some really weird shit that's going on? Yeah, it is really yeah. weird. And again... Oh, how, who, who can relate oh, to oh, the I female say, like, Winston? Who can oh, relate to the, 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 the train lady driver? Oh, hell no. Yeah. The devil be late. She, she, she's not a scientist. She's who can relate to that other than a southern black woman? She's, um, now, see, I, I want to say, like, in the comic books, and again, yes, I'm bringing up the comic books in this, and, like, the character my, let me, let me in the canon in Homer screaming, nerd! <laughs> in the continuity of the comic books, Winston was the only person that knew how to do anything in life. The rest of them were... Uh, practical. Yeah, he was the practical character. He was the guy that went to the army. Yeah, ex-marine. I, yeah, ex-marine. And knew how to do stuff. The other ones were scientists, were either institutionalized in colleges or universities and then went out and did something well, they were that wacky, he played though. a role he played a proper mm. character role they weren't, they weren't same, in, same in the cartoon as well yeah he yeah, was the only one who got anything real ghostbusters or new real ghostbusters. ghostbusters the real ghostbusters but what i was trying to say is um they were they were wacky they weren't straight scientists they were very um, socially awkward. Well, with the exception of Venkman, who was actually a bit of a ladies' man. No, but I'm saying like I, I, I would, I would. But it was it. never explicitly no. told. You were never explicitly told what they were. You were shown what their characters were. No, they, whereas they were, in this trailer, you're explicitly told, "Oh, you're good at quantum yeah. physics. You're good at this." No, they, 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 they let the power of the actors come through. It was going like the, your scientists. Now be the type of scientist you are if you're on Saturday Night Live. Mm, yeah. Whereas it this, it's, like- you are a quantum physicist. Now be awkward. What are quantum physicists? They're always awkward. They always know mathematics in their heads, but they don't know how to open a door. That's what a lot of commentators said. It feels like an extended SNL skit, Saturday mm. Night Live skit. I mean, and Saturday Night Live, if you're American, it's funny. If you're British, it's awful. Specifically with the, uh, the I can't remember the, the actress, the black actress who plays the every person. Apparently she is playing the exact same role she yeah. does an SNL. Sassy, loud black woman. Yeah. Which, uh-huh. Oh, yeah. hell right. no. Now, I've, I've, I really haven't got a lot of ground to stand on to say in cultural appropriating that. Is she taking it back? Is she what? But I'm saying it's a cheap role. She got a lot of grief on Twitter because um, people like us initially said, oh, this is a bad trailer for what is obviously going to be a bad film, right? And then the progressives, the Stepford student types got involved and they were like, wait a minute, how come all the white women are scientists and the black woman is not a scientist? No, the backlash has nothing to do with the film. The backlash is more about, like you say, this this, this bigger culture of whatever it is. What do you mean? You know, this, this safe spaces, Stepford students. The backlash is, is they're taking all their arguments from other areas and they're applying annoyed. it to a film. They're a piece annoyed. of entertainment, you know. Like, they, they had a go at the, the lady based on what, like... She just, she's not a scientist. 20 the seconds, three, 20 three... seconds of, of a trailer. You know, it might actually be good. 
It doesn't. The trailer does not suggest <laughs> that. The whole good. the whole purpose of a trailer is to make the film look yeah. good so people go see. It. But what I mean is like why why do people suddenly want to make pieces of entertainment some sort of um, political platform? Why does a film have to because it it has, you, because it has to it has to. All I can say is there's going to be uproar if that black comedian does not get an Oscar at this. <laughs> yeah, if she's not at uproar. least if she's not at least presenting an award. Yeah. <laughs> but do you think this is a chick flick? Is that the impression you got from the trailer? It I think is. it's a kids. It was, I think it's a kids flick. One at a time. One at a time. What's that film? Uh, the, the Bridesmaids. Yeah, because half well, of the cast yeah. are fucking from Bridesmaids. Same director. Yeah, Paul and Feig. they're just trying to take Bridesmaids and they're putting it into a supernatural. Mm. There'll be like an Expendables in two years, all the same cast, but all women. women yeah. yeah, but Paul Feig. <laughs> I think that's how you pronounce his surname. He's saying no. It's not a chick flick. It's not about feminism at all. It's just he's con- as far as he's concerned. These four actresses or actors, they're the funniest people in Hollywood right now, and that's why he cast them. Now that's obvious bullshit. It's obviously yeah, a gimmick. <laughs> it's obviously a gimmick to distract you from the low. fact that Hollywood is still rehashing old ideas. That's mm-hmm. that's the immediate. When I heard there was going to be an all female Ghostbusters, the conclusion I came to is it's just a distraction. They're just trying to distract you from the fact. Oh, it's just another rehash of an mm-hmm. old film. So I mean, would you say film. this is a chick flick? No, it's not a chick flick. I mean, they can make it into a chick flick. I'm I'm saying initially from what the movie it's based on. Well, I've seen so far of the uh, film uh, from the trailer. It's not a chick flick, mm. but they can. But in the actual movie, they can turn it into a chick flick. Do you think they've inadvertently turned off turned off men? No, the film. no. <laughs> you're gonna have you're gonna have haters. They're gonna want to watch it anyway. Mm. I want to go and see it just so I can moan about it. Just because you hope- hate yourself. Yeah, and I might I might enjoy it. I might enjoy it. You know, I um, have no desire. No, to see but, it. Mm. but that's the problem. All right, you you look at comedy. Comedy actually like bridges male and female. Mm. All right, does I, it? I, I, yeah, it does. I think I think. There can, is... you, can you think of a, like a strongly female comedy or a strongly male comedy? Even something says misogynistic as Caddyshack, women like because it is a comedy bridges gaps. Is that because women haven't had much of a choice but to like male uh, slanted comedy? Maybe. Maybe that's a different conversation. <laughs> well, I mean, I think this is ultimately because we read, uh, I read, I think we read a article on the New Statesman. I think her name was Anna Likowicz or something like that, right? Oh, and she, the yeah, title yeah. of her article was The Ghostbusters Reaction Proves. Uh, she, uh, basically, the. It's the, a terribly written article. At, terribly yeah, it was, written it was article. Bad, but what she was getting at is the idea that men don't like this film because it's not aimed directly at men, it's aimed at women. That was her thesis. And she basically used the concert of a minute, one minute twenty. There isn't a man at one minute forty. There isn't a man. And as I said earlier, not a single male speaks in the trailer. I think men aren't that stupid. I mean, some men are stupid like that. Kind of go like, "Hey, I didn't see a white person in this. I don't think I'll watch this." Kind of like, "You're watching Roots, you idiot. There aren't a lot of white people in the show Roots." Thank you guys for joining me Hyman as always I have been here Tim thank you very much for coming in goodbye everybody. for not cancelling at the last minute and uh, Cameron thank you for uh, looking at your phone for the last half an hour Go I like rainbows we all like rainbows I don't ladies and gentlemen you've been listening to the Tom Dick and Hyman show thank you very much for listening we'll see you again next week <laughs> <laughs>